Hebrews chapter 2, and it's verses 1 to 4, and it's a warning to pay attention. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles of the Holy Spirit, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. Brilliant. If you're uh, watching at home and you think that I'm looking to the side a lot, it's because uh, the L-shaped hall here, so just so you're aware that you might see the side of my face a little bit more, which is probably preferable to looking full on, I reckon. Uh, Anybody know the definition of irony? Well, maybe having me preach on paying more attention, because I've got a really short attention span. I, in fact, have a shorter attention span than a lot of budgies, and uh, there are goldfish that make jokes about my lack of an attention span. So um, it's just one of those things. But today, I want us to think about... um, That's it, it's kicking in already. (laughs) Today, I want us to think about this warning from the book of Hebrews. We've been looking, going through the the book of Hebrews, and the first two weeks, we've looked at Hebrews chapter 1, which is just chock-a-block full with the exaltation of Jesus. It is about how great Jesus is. It is about the fact that God has spoken to us in the past through prophets, but finally through his son. And what's interesting is that there's not, uh, in the first chapter of Hebrews, any command to Christians. And actually, it's only when we come into chapter 2 that the, the command is, and it's in the light, of the greatness of who Jesus is. So I want us to be bearing that in mind. And what we see here, though, is the first warning passage in the book of Hebrews. And I think I mentioned in the first of these talks that there's a number of times, I think five main warning passages in the book of Hebrews. And this is the first of those, and it's really, really important. And we don't always like a warning, do we? In fact, some of the time, it's easy to kick off when somebody warns us about something. It's easy to get in their face and say, well, what's it to you? Or it's easy to become skeptical, or it's easy to become hardened of heart. And this passage is written to Christians who need to hear a warning. You see, the danger is of a casual attitude. The uh, the warning is here is that we must pay more careful attention. And the warning is of a casual attitude. You see, sometimes we think in life that as Christians, we're just going to arrive at our destination and we can just, uh, just go about our business. And here, the writer to the Hebrews makes the point that the danger for them and the danger for us is of drifting. I love the fact that it begins this warning, not just by saying, you must or I must, but he says, we must all pay careful attention. We, you, me, 
us, all of us, we need to pay careful attention because there's a danger. And because there's a danger, we need to understand what that danger is and how we go about remedying it. And the danger is in drifting. You see, in life, unless we're actively pushing in to Jesus, following him, exalting him, fixing our eyes upon him, we will naturally have a tendency to drift. So yesterday I was with Annie in Canary Wharf and we had a coffee and um, the escalator's there. Now, I am 47 years old, but I'm still trying, I spent a couple minutes trying to convince my wife to run up the down escalator. Because that is fun, right? Who here has ever done that, run up a down escalator? You really haven't. Okay, well, if you manage it on the Jubilee line ones, the big ones, you're living your best life. Because that's an amazing... Young people, that's not an instruction. Don't do it. (laughs) But... um, And I'm trying to convince her to run up this down escalator. And you know what? That's what the Christian life is like. Because when you're trying to run up an escalator that's taking you down, unless you're really pushing in, you will automatically default to going backwards. And it's exactly the same with our lives following Jesus. Unless we're actively pushing in to who Jesus is, following him, eyes fixed on him, we will always default backwards. There is, if we are in neutral, then we will drift away. And this book, this letter is written to encourage Christians, don't drift away. And brothers and sisters, the warning to each of us today is, don't drift away. Remember, this was written to to second generation Christians who were maybe tired of following Jesus. Life had got tough. They were beginning to face persecution. And the tendency would have been to go back to what they were familiar with. Would have been to to go back to the synagogue. And he writes to them and says, don't drift away. And all of us need to hear that. What's important is he doesn't tell them just do more. Doesn't tell them try harder. But he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Pay careful attention to his word. And if you're feeling great today, I want to encourage you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Give him your full attention. But if you feel like maybe you're at the last chance saloon with your faith and you're feeling like giving up, I want to tell you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Give him your attention. The encouragement isn't to do more, but to consider Jesus. So the danger is of drifting, lest we drift away. Interesting that it's not a sudden thing, is it? He doesn't say, you know, you're in danger of your faith going on a car crash. No, no. What he talks about is the danger of drifting. It's the point where you start to drift away. And sometimes that can almost be imperceivable. You don't really realize what's going on in your own heart. A bit like when you're on a motorway and then your off lane comes up. And you, you kind of change lane gradually. And then you're, you can be driving alongside the other lane for a little while. But gradually it starts to take you in another direction. And pretty soon the two lanes are, are just far apart from one another. And that's often how Christians drift away. They can seem like everything's fine. But gradually the destination begins to look different. And it happens because we take our eyes off Jesus, because we stop giving him our attention. 
we will drift away if we take our eyes off the way. And Jesus said, I am the way. So to keep focused on him, otherwise we will drift away. You know, the story is told of a guy who was uh, needed to get through a jungle and he employed a guide to hack a path through the jungle. And as he's going along, this guide is hacking away at the path. And the guy who'd employed him gets really tired and he's getting frustrated and it's not going fast enough. And he said, he said, sir, have you lost the path? And the guide looks at him and says, I am the path. And friends, Jesus is the way. If we, if we stop and we take our eyes off him, then the fact is we will drift away. I want to ask you, has your heart began to turn to other things? The encouragement here is to pay careful attention lest we drift away. See, it's not just about hearing. You know, sometimes Annie will call me and say, can you do this? And I'll say, yeah, and I'm merrily typing away or looking at something. And then I might get, you know, another shout down the stairs. Can you? And I've kind of nodded and said yes, and I've heard it, but I haven't actually done it. And then eventually you get busted because you've agreed to do something and you haven't done it. And that's the kind of hearing we have to really watch out for, which is a hearing that kind of listens, but it doesn't. And you know, we are in danger of drifting away if we stop paying careful attention. Have you got bored of the good news of Jesus? Has the voice of Jesus just become one amongst a whole bunch of others? You know, it's interesting in uh, Matthew 7 when Jesus talks about the wise and foolish builders that one builds on sand, the other one builds on rock. And, you know, we've all sung that song as kids, probably at Sunday school, the wise man built his house upon the rock. But what's the difference? The difference was between the wise and the foolish isn't to hear, but to hear and obey, to listen with an open heart. Let's not get bored of, of the good news of Jesus, because otherwise we drift away. You know, it's really interesting that, phrase drift away. It's the only time that word is used in the New Testament. But other usages of it are quite interesting. And one of the ways it's used in, in classical literature is of a, uh, something that the drift away, it's a ring that slips off a finger. A bit like this, you know? The ring could slip off. Some friends of ours were on honeymoon and they were uh, swimming. And they just got married and this is true, I know these people, her wedding ring or engagement ring, I think it was, it was the clunky diamond one, slipped off her finger. She went to grab it and a fish bit it, swallowed it, and, and just swam off. And the ring was gone. The insurance company thankfully believed her. I wouldn't, but it's true. That's exactly what happened. And that word, to drift away, something that should be in place. Also, it's used of a, a vessel or a pot that has a, a, a small crack in it and liquid gradually, doesn't gush out, it's not like a, a big hole, but just little drips begin to, to come and it just gradually empties out. Are you getting the picture of what that sort of drift looks like? Or, and the most, the most normal use of it 
is a nautical use. It's about um, a boat that's not properly tied down. It's not properly anchored, and it looks fine, but suddenly the tide changes, and the boat drifts out to sea. Elsewhere in Hebrews, the writer talks about Jesus being our anchor. I think the understanding there was of, of being like a boat that isn't properly anchored. And what happens? The tide changes. And it causes the boat to drift away. I just want to say, what could change the tide of your life to make you drift away? You know, because that is a reality. Again, the writer is, we must all. Why? Because there's a danger in drifting for all of us. And so it's something we should pay good attention to. In Matthew 13, when Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower, and he says, and the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, that is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself. It's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the world, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. Again, this sense of everything looks fine. You start well. Interesting the things Jesus identified, isn't it? Persecution and difficulty, but also worries. But here's the other thing, riches. So actually, it's not just difficulties that can cause you to drift away from Christ. Actually, it can be success. It can be money. It can be things that seem good. But if we're not anchored in Jesus, they can be disastrous. Have you ever noticed some people go through extreme difficulty in life and come out the other end of it and go through it with a strong faith in Jesus and really push through. And yet others go through life and things go well. And yet in the midst of blessing, abundance and success, they end up up drifting away. The point is Christ needs to be the anchor. You know, John Piper, I was listening to him talk about this passage, and he said, you know, life is not like a lake. It's like a river. And if you drift, you're going to go somewhere. You're just going to go along with the current. And the danger for Christians is to drift away. Brothers and sisters, I urge you, be anchored in Christ. But if the danger is of drifting, point number two, destination of that is destruction. The destination is destruction. If the danger is of drifting, the destination is of destruction. Much like a lighthouse warns of danger from rocks, this warning reminds us of the need to pay careful attention. Why? Because the stakes are high. We read that phrase here, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? How can we escape if we ignore a great salvation? Hebrews 2, 2 and 3. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every um, violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape 
if we ignore such a great salvation. You know, you cannot ignore the living word of God and not face consequences. Now, on our day off, Annie and I like to walk from where we live. We walk along the front by the Thames, through Shadwell, then up to the Tower of London, and often just walk right down into Westminster. It's a lovely walk. Um, and that walk takes you through Shadwell Basin. And if you go through Shadwell Basin, you will see signs around Shadwell Basin warning you not to swim in there. And they don't say, please don't swim in here because it's inconvenient to the council or because you'll get dirty. No, they say because there's a danger because a number of people have died. They've drowned in Shadwell Basin. And there's a warning. But at the slightest bit of sun, you always find some Muppets are swimming in that basin, no lifeguard, and people have died because of it. Because there's a good warning but they've ignored it. And friends, when the word of God warns us of the danger of drifting away, it is because drifting leads to destruction. The context of this passage is Hebrews 1, full of the greatness of Christ. And that's the reason why we're warned, how shall we escape if we neglect such a salvation? Here we see, he says, you know, if there are consequences to disobeying the instruction that was brought through angels, how much more through disobeying the word of Christ? We see in verses 3 and 4, it makes the point that God, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also bearing witness with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, why do we have to pay attention? Because God has spoken through his son Jesus. It was confirmed by eyewitnesses, the apostles. They didn't have a faith just based on superstition, but on the eyewitness accounts. And then it was confirmed by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God has spoken, and there is a danger in ignoring his voice. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You know, if we neglect Christ, there's no hope. Two things I want us to see on that. Firstly, A, the responsibility each of us have as followers of Jesus. We have been entrusted with the good news of Jesus. We've been commanded and commissioned to go and make disciples, to share the good news of Jesus. And the fact is that good, nice people die and go to hell without knowing Jesus. How will they escape if we neglect to declare the salvation we have in Christ? Much like the drowning man, we've got a life raft. We've got the means of rescue. How will they escape if we neglect to tell them? But secondly, we need to take on board that warning. Remember, this book is written to Christians. And the fact is that virtually all of the New Testament's teaching on hell is written to warn Christians not to unbelievers. It's really interesting when you study it. 
virtually all of the New Testament teaching on hell is to warn Christians. It's not to scare unbelievers. And I don't think we should use it that way. But it's actually to tell Christians to keep on. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are secure in him. Unless I believe we choose to drift away ourselves. You know, there's that terrible warning in scripture of Lot's wife. When God uh, tells them to flee and not look back. And yet, she turns back. And the consequences are devastating. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Jesus has paid the price on the cross. It is the only thing that can set you and I from our, free from our sins. If we neglect that, there's nowhere else to go. If the danger is of drifting and the destination is destruction, then lastly, this demands a decision. It demands a decision. Pay more careful attention. Pay more careful attention. This demands a decision. The verse here, we must pay much closer attention to the things that we have heard lest we drift away. Why? Because of who is speaking? Jesus. God is speaking. God the Father speaking through his son Jesus. And because of what the message is, it's of salvation. What's our attitude? Are we paying careful attention? Are we paying careful attention? The voice of Jesus can't just be another voice. The gospel, the word of God, can't be just another voice in our distracted world. You know, so many voices compete for our attention, don't they? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can quite happily be working on a a document whilst I've got the football on the radio and a YouTube video playing on another screen there. We call it multitasking, don't we? But actually, it's multi-distractions. And in this world, there's such a temptation to let our attention drift off the Word of God, to let our attention drift off the message of Jesus. Have you taken your stand on the Word of God? Do you really believe it? What role does the Bible play if we want to be focused on the, uh, pay more careful attention to Jesus, we're going to be focused on the Bible. You know, so many times people want a word or something prophetic or a sign. And actually, God has spoken through his son, Jesus. And the Bible contains all that we need to know. And brothers and sisters, if you want to pay careful attention and not drift away, be people who love and read and study the Bible. And if you don't read so well, get it on 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 audio and listen to the Bible. If that's your thing, listen to it. Find ways, but pay attention. Don't just listen to it with that kind of half ear open, but listen to it with an ear that is truly open. We've got to, it says, pay more careful attention. All of us, we, again, it's the all of us. The danger is for each of us that we get distracted. Brothers and sisters, are we paying careful attention? 
those original recipients of this letter were in danger of exalting Jesus, but not to his full place, treating him like a good prophet or teacher, but to diminish him by not realizing that he was the son of God and that he needed to be supreme. And for so many of us, it can be the same way. For so many of us, it can be the same way. We try to see Jesus through the lens of our theology, or we see Jesus through the lens of our philosophy and our, our, even our anthropology, or we see Jesus through the lens of our politics. And that's the wrong way around. We need to view our theology in the light of Jesus. We need to view our politics in the light of Jesus. We need to view our approach to the world around us, our philosophy, our relationships, through the lens of Jesus, not try and uh, fit Jesus into those other things. The point is that Jesus takes the first place. We are warned. And it's a serious thing. And I don't necessarily like preaching on warnings, but it's there and it's there for a reason. We must pay more careful attention to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. If you're tired today, look to Jesus. How do we do that? I believe three simple ways. By looking, by listening, and by loving. Looking. The whole of Hebrews just grabs us with put your attention on Jesus. Let him be your focus. Fix your eyes on him. Consider him. Jesus needs to be where our eyes are. You will move in the travel in the direction you are looking. Let's have our eyes fixed on Jesus. By listening, by truly listening with an open heart, paying attention, allowing the word of God to speak into our hearts, Allow it being having our minds full of the greatness of Jesus, not just the Jesus of our imagination, but the Jesus revealed in the Bible. And as we listen, as we allow his word to change us, as we allow his word to convict us, to instruct us, to build us up, to be the thing that changes us. And also by loving. Well, what does that mean? Well, I believe that we focus our attention on Christ as we're obedient to him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So brothers and sisters, let's have eyes and ears fixed on Jesus. Let's look, let's listen, and let's love him by being obedient, paying more careful attention so that we don't drift away. Having talked about the warning, I just want to end with that passage from John 5, 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Amongst the warnings, just the reassurance that as we fix our eyes on Jesus as we look to him, as we listen to him, as we love him through obedience. The promise is there of eternal life and crossing over from death to life. This week, my prayer is that you will fix your ears and eyes and minds on Jesus, that you will pay careful attention. 
And brothers and sisters, let's determine in our heart to give him the attention he deserves so that we don't drift away. God bless you.